Welcome to Alaska's Political Pipeline. I am David Bernkoff. I'm Rebecca Polsha. And we are here to talk about all things political and governing within the state of Alaska, within the municipality of Anchorage, and occasionally <laughs> outside of those borders. Um, and we do ask you to favorite us, to make us uh, something you follow on whatever platform you listen to our podcast on because it helps us in ways we can't explain. <laughs> and also tell us if you like the content or if it's not working or what do you want. We do want people to reach out to us and let us know what you want to hear about and how you think we're doing. So today we're going to talk about the state legislature. Back to your old stomping grounds. <laughs> right. I have a one-way ticket at this point. I don't know when I'm coming back. <laughs> well, I get, that's sort of the thing about going to Juneau, right? You right. get there and you can't get out. Uh, I've never been, so I'm looking forward to it one day. I want to talk about the 907 initiative because that's a sort of new thing in Alaska. It was mm -hmm. created uh, from talking to their executive director. Their first effort was part of the effort to get at whether the Dunleavy for Governor campaign was improperly coordinating with some outside PACs, and the ultimate decision on that was maybe, but not enough to do anything about it. There's still some appeals going on there, but that's how they got started. And that wasn't all that exciting to most voters, mm -hmm. I don't suppose, although it might have been important in terms of campaign finance rules. But they did strike a nerve in the last few weeks with a very heavy ad campaign on radio, on Facebook, mailers. And this was the campaign that was pointing out the failure to clear the streets of snow. And right. I don't know if you heard any of those ads, but a lot of people were talking about them. Yeah. No, I, I heard those ads. And then I think, or they, I believe they're the same ones who are doing the ads still saying how easy ranked choice voting was. Um, I might be wrong about that, but... I don't know about that one. Oh. It could be. Yeah. But they spent a lot of money, and mm -hmm. we don't know exactly where they're getting their money from. They're getting it from donations. But they spent a lot... It's a lot of money to uh, do the ads that they're doing, the mailers, the Facebook, social media kinds of things. And the whole point of it is, as they say, to remind people that snow removal shouldn't have been this... Bad, but they're right. not asking for any political action because that would violate their nonprofit status. They're not registered, and we check this out. They're not registered as a political action committee or as a lobbying group. So they have to be very careful mm -hmm. with what they do. But so my question is do you think that snow removal and what people generally agree was not an optimum snow <laughs> removal. Is that a long-lasting political issue in a place like Anchorage? Uh, I think it was going to come back, definitely. I think that the way to annoy people the fastest is it impacts – it impacted all of us. You know, like downtown was basically shut down. Businesses were, had lots of complaints about, you know, that's our – our, our economic center. So why aren't those businesses able to run? I'm still seeing, um, you know, roads that kind of converge into one lane and it's been a while now. And so it does get to the point of like, how long are we going to be doing this? You know, I, I've lived here for forever and not literally, but, 
Um, I have not seen it. You mean you're not forever years old? I'm not forever years old. <laughs> but I have not seen people uh, or snow have this much of an impact for this long. Just over the weekend, I was driving down what would be considered a major street. Mm-hmm. And there was someone walking down the middle of the road in the turn lane because the sidewalks were not clear. And that struck me as something I have not seen before. And I know this was a lot of snow, Mm -hmm. but you would think we're now weeks later. Mm -hmm. And the fact that we're still dealing with this and the fact that some political or non-political organization, sorry, a educational organization (laughs) sees that as... Uh, something we're spending a lot of money on is fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. But it's a long time before there's another election. mayoral yeah. election. And that's really my question is, will people remember this years from now? <laughs> that's a will long this be time the, to hold on. <laughs> yeah, will this be the snow that we never forget? You know, I think I'm curious to see how it plays out because we have a whole bunch of assembly seats coming open the impacts of that and that kind of relationship that the assembly has had with the mayor to see if we still have a very, um, if we continue the kind of this adversarial relationship between the two groups. Now there was something in terms of adversarial relationships. We've done a lot of stories on the homeless issue. Mm -hmm. The mayor threw out a potential compromise last week uh, give me some money and let's fig- figure out how to finish the navigation center and maybe we'll do something with the Golden Lion after all mm-hmm. in terms of long-term housing that that sort of honors his pledge not to turn it into um, you know, substance abuse treatment center or certain other things, but also keeps it trying to help the homeless issue. That was interesting. and That was interesting. And the, and the mayor... Um, offered himself to our reporter mm-hmm. uh, in an unexpected interview, and that also was interesting. Yeah. So, because she had not reached out to him yet. She had reached out to somebody else, and they said, well, how about the mayor? Right. So maybe maybe the new year is bringing some change in attitude and strategy, and uh, we'll see. I also wonder if there are people in the assembly who want to use the snow removal issue against the mayor whether your average Anchorage voter will care who specifically gets the blame or whether they'll just blame all of them because you're all in government and you all have something to do with yeah. this. It seems it seems easy to blame the person who is perceived as the boss. You know, it always comes down to the, to that. No matter who is the the mess up, it's the boss who takes that. And I'm going to tell a story I tell often. Many, many years ago when I was in Chicago – the machine that ran Chicago at the time, the Daily Machine, had a mayor after Mayor Daly died, a guy named Michael Belandic, and there was a bad snowstorm over a weekend, and by Monday morning, things were not cleared, and the mayor's attitude was, you know, it's a not unlike the mayor here, and the, saying, you know, it was a really bad storm, and you got to give us time. And that one issue led to, for the first time in decades, the next mayor's race, which was only uh, a year away, the machine got thrown out because Mm. people remembered and were angry over not just the slow snow removal, but an attitude that sort of said, well, what can we do? People want you to do something if you're in charge. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. 
more related to City Hall is this explosive <laughs> demand letter sent by Amy Dembowski's lawyer to the mayor of Anchorage saying, if you don't uh, apologize to me and reach a settlement, uh, there's going to be litigation here. And it is a long lawyer letter. It was sent it by is. the lawyer. Scott Kendall sent that one. And it's 11 pages of... Example after example after example of times that she says that the mayor either did same things that were not kosher or they also were not legal. Contracts done illegally, she alleges, improper workplace, treatment of female employees, uh, all sorts of favoritism to mm -hmm. friends. These are things that she touched on when she came in here right after she was fired. But this is far more detailed and city council, excuse me, assembly members are, they say they're, even they are a little shocked they at the level shocked, of detail. Yeah. I, one thing I was wondering about, you know, because you and Mike Mason had interviewed Amy um, previously before this letter came out. And what I had taken from that was this kind of sadness from her interview that now it seems like that has been replaced by like, I'm going to write what I feel is wrong. You are 100% right in that. Uh, I think we were surprised by the, uh, you know, going to DEFCON 1 here mm -hmm. after she had hinted that maybe she wouldn't take that path if the mayor treated her properly. We have no idea what's happened between then and now, mm -hmm. but it definitely is a bit of an unexpected stepping up of the pressure. And again, the details that are out there, we're working on a story right now uh, that will have aired by the time this podcast is out there that will look at one very narrow part of her allegations and that deals with a few contracts that she says uh, were illegal because they were single source contracts mm -hmm. and that there was no reason for that. There was no emergency. Uh, we're going to look at that. And I think one of the things that we learned in an interview we did with uh, an assembly member is that although these things could potentially be against the rules, regulations, and even laws, the assembly doesn't have any particular power to enforce those things. So there may be no penalty for the mayor having, if he did do anything improper, there's not really a penalty other than voters deciding a couple of years from now that they don't want him or I guess potentially he could be impeached, but nobody seems to be nobody, talking about that. Yeah, now. that's the thing is like who's talking about that and that I have not run into this situation before where there were accusations of a mayor doing illegal things and it, and it should be noted too that the mayor's – they can't comment on this because it um, could be in litigation. Um, but it is interesting of how – if it's true – how would you punish somebody and it should an assembly have that power because there could be it could be abused and you know there's all kinds of questions right. and assembly isn't a law enforcement organization right. they're political opponents in many cases oh yeah so it is not clear how this plays out even if it turns out that each and every one of uh, Amy Dembowski's charges prove accurate. We mm -hmm. just don't know what the consequences are. And it'll take some time to figure that out. But you 
are leaving the fine <laughs> city of Anchorage and heading to the finer city. I shouldn't say that. The, certainly the beautiful city of Juneau to <laughs> get going on uh, state legislative yep. stuff pretty soon. Elena yeah. Sims and I leave Tuesday morning. I think when we're going to interview the governor Thursday morning. Um, so I suspect that we'll be super busy getting gear there, tons and tons of gear and Apparently, our car needs to be jumped and uh, <laughs> dug out of the snow. That's what happens. The car just sits there it in sits the off-season and yeah. nobody looks at <laughs> nobody it. Nobody has touched it. You don't even, do you even know if it's there? It is. We've, it... we've gotten reports of the car, okay. and uh, but our general manager said she is going to be digging it out herself this now Saturday. that is a general manager. Uh-huh. At least the car didn't disintegrate in the time no one was <laughs> paying attention to it. So that's good. But one of the things... Interesting enough, you and I worked on a story at least a month ago about an organization that had formed to get rid of ranked choice voting already, mm-hmm. and they laid out a plan, and we talked to somebody who still favored, who organized in favor of ranked choice voting, and now there are already bills that – what's the term? Pre-filing? Pre-filing or, the bills that happened this mean? week. It's like what, what the, somebody's agenda is and what they'd like to talk about, and whether those see the light of day is – to be seen. Okay, so there's no guarantee that a pre-filed no. bill ever goes anywhere. No, no. But there is a pre-filed bill, at least one, that would get rid of ranked choice voting. As we know, a lot of conservatives in this state think that it costs them, at the very least, a congressional seat, although it may have helped them in a couple of state legislative mm-hmm. races. So, I guess... It's maybe- never going away. <laughs> we're talking about this next year. <laughs> no, it is definitely – it's an issue that uh, that has so much political oomph behind it mm-hmm. because one side feels it was very helpful to them getting certain people in office and another side feels it hurt them. And I guess voters – it is possible that in another couple of years – They'll have to choose again on a ballot measure, right? Because that's the only way to get rid of it. Yeah, and and there's already ads out. I've heard them saying, look how simple it is. A toddler could do it. I've seen one of those ads on TV, and I was wondering, like, why are you spending money on something that isn't even a question anymore? Yeah, I thought the same thing. But clearly it's going to be a question again. (laughs) So they're they're seeding the ground already. And if people are willing to spend money, you know it's going to keep going. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. From Juneau to Washington, D.C., we just went through a crazy situation with 15 votes to elect a Speaker of the House. And in the middle of all that, our new congressperson, Mary Peltola, suggested that the U.S. House of Representatives follow what she called the Alaska Way, which was to come up with a coalition of Republicans and Democrats who wanted to compromise and work together and get Mm -hmm. something done. That didn't go anywhere, but she did get some national attention for that. And it's an interesting way to introduce yourself to D.C. Isn't it, though? And it's a very, it strikes me as very Alaskan, you know, with our whole continuously saying that we, you know, work with, you know, the heck with everybody else. It's what's best for Alaska kind of mentality, whether that's truly true all the time. (laughs) Right. It's more of, in some way, it's a it's kind of a PR slogan. Right, exactly. Uh, we'll see what happens because the House, the State House, can't yet agree on any sort of compromise on how they're going to run their system. But it's an interesting first venture into national politics uh, for our new congressperson. And 
like I say, it didn't lead anywhere, but it sets her up, I think, as someone who uh, is an interesting vote on almost on many issues because no one will quite know how she's going to vote. Oh, absolutely. Uh, she clearly, and we've talked about this before, she's not going to vote like every other Democrat. No. Same as the Republicans or Murkowski doesn't vote as all Republicans, you know. Alaska's a strange duck. It has its own needs, you know, that sometimes go against party lines. And we will keep an eye on that as um, as her session continues and as the state legislature gets going. And you'll be there <laughs> soon enough reporting directly from the beautiful city of Juneau. Is I'm looking forward to city? Oh, I love Juneau. I'm really looking forward to it. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks with another edition of Alaska's Political Pipeline.